Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. The Apostle Paul really started out uh, that way under his former name of Saul. Saul was a confident expert of the Jewish law, and he was zealous for their traditional teachings, uh, and those teachings tended to be beyond the scripture. But in fact, he was right there when a group of men stoned Stephen, an early follower of Jesus. He even held their coats of the guys that were doing it. And shortly after this, the persecution of Jesus' people, of his followers, just went wild. And uh, people were leaving uh, Jerusalem and from that area because of what was taking place. And we, this morning we're going to look in the book of uh, Acts chapter 9 primarily. Acts 9 verses 1 and 2 say this to us. This is the New Living Translation. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priests... He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So Paul went right to the top, or Saul. Uh, He met the high priest who was a part of the Sadducee religious group to help squelch these new followers of Jesus. He, he obtained their permission to round up the followers of the way. Those were the followers of Jesus in that time. And they were going to bring them back as prisoners. Uh, we know that the Sadducees had some legal authority in that time allowed by the Romans so they could take certain legal actions. They had a religious court system, the Sanhedrin. They even had temple guards that were available to them. But now with Saul's zealous beliefs and his actions, now he has legal authority to be able to crush the way. Yet, Saul, this confident expert, got it all wrong. So like most experts assumed that the Redskins were going to beat the Raiders in 1984, Saul was wrong. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 tell us this. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell down to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting the church, but really he was hitting Jesus. Those who persecute the church even today are actually hitting or persecuting Jesus. How many times have you heard people at work say something negative about somebody because they follow Christ? It still happens in our our day and age, and the person uh, that makes the comment really needs to recognize that they're not only uh, slamming that follower of Jesus, but they are slamming the Savior himself. And that's what, Paul, that's what Saul was doing at that point. He was taking shots at Jesus. And the fact was he was in full opposition of God and he didn't even realize it. He was not just persecuting the leaders, but anyone who called on the name of the Lord. 
Now, we realize that Luke records over in verse 2 that he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus acting for, uh, asking for their cooperation to be able to help them to arrest those followers of Jesus. He was going to try with all his abilities to shut them down. We know he was on his way up there, Damascus and Syria. Uh, we know that even back in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, that Peter and John had been arrested only to be set free by the hand of God. And no matter how hard people fight or persecute Jesus, they can't expect to win. Over in Acts chapter 9, verse 5, we find this. We find Saul's uh, question once he, he had dusted himself off as he's on the ground, knocked to the ground, and he says, Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So Saul here finds out that, finds that some clarity as to who he was talking to at this point. It was Jesus. Paul finds out that all the times he has helped or he has instigated the destruction of the church, he was actually persecuting the Messiah. And what's interesting about that is Paul himself would have been waiting for the Messiah. But he was so wrapped up in making sure that his religion was, was right down to the uh, T. It was perfect as he wanted it that he had missed the Savior. But Christ had not missed him. He saw him. Paul's persecution took the life of Stephen. It caused many to flee Jerusalem, and now Jesus brought him to his knees and to the end of his self. Paul thought he had it all together, yet he lacked the compassion and the forgiveness that only Christ could bring. The kingdom that Saul had been searching for was a merciless kingdom found on the, founded on the, the traditions of mankind, but what Paul found was true conversion, a real change. It was the kingdom of God at its finest. He met the risen Savior. He met Christ on the road to Damascus. See, sometimes, friends, some religion will just get you religion. That's all it gets you. When there's no heart change, when there's no transformation that is made, that Christ can make, then all they have is just a religious way of doing things. Saul's intention was to arrest every Christian he could get a, hand, get a hold of with the whole crew of men that he had brought with him. And yet Jesus confronted Saul who was blinded by God's glory. It's interesting here, really, uh, this is where the humor of God steps in, I think, uh, because Saul thought he could see truth when he was spiritually blinded to it. Now he began to see the truth only to be physically blinded to the world. God's humor isn't always like ours, is it? About 25 years ago, uh, I, had a, I had a small experience myself. Have you ever thought you uh, could see well only to find out that you lost focus? Uh, my brother and I, we were traveling to Kansas City where I worked in North Kansas City on the Missouri side, of course, and and I went from, I lived in Kansas at that time. 
and it came from Kansas driving on 45 highway down the river bottom, Missouri River bottom. It's flat, you can see a long ways. And we're driving along in my high-end Chevrolet Chevette. My brother's in this side, if you guys remember those little cars. And I'm driving, you know, that's back when the speed limit was 55, and so it was everything you could do to get up to 55. And so, you know, put your foot on the floor and you may get to 55. So we're driving down the road and, and I come upon another vehicle. And as I get to that vehicle, I realize they are going slower than I am. And I wanted to get to work. And so I was going to pass them. But right before I do that, I get down to my radio and I adjust the, the radio for whatever reason. And I look back up and I turn my signal on and I go around to pass this guy. And my brother yells at me and he said, there is a car coming. We call that distracted driving today, don't we? I couldn't see it. My response was to him, where? I couldn't see it. And I was looking right ahead, but my eyes hadn't focused yet because I'd been looking at, looking at the radio before. And so there, sure enough, I see him just in time as he pulls off of the road, coming in head on at me, and he pulls off the road, and I slam the brakes, get behind the other vehicle that I'm trying to pass, and the tragedy was averted, thank the Lord. Otherwise, we may have been two small pancakes. I could see, but I was blinded. Saul could see, but he was blinded by man's tradition. His transformation took place as Christ entered the story of his life. And now you can look at the direction that the resurrected Jesus gives to Paul. We see there in Acts chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, now get up and go into the city and you will be, be told what you must do. It was at this point that Saul became Paul. He was healed from the blindness uh, that he had from this encounter with the Lord. And his life he turned over to Christ. Uh, we realize that the scripture tells us that Ananias was there and he walked him through this. And evidently he explained the gospel to him. And it was there at that time that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, that encounter. And he was commissioned to follow Christ and to do God's will. So thirdly, we see do what Jesus says because we've been commissioned. In Acts chapter 26, verses 16 to 18, we find this commission that the Apostle Paul was given once he met Jesus. Paul recounts this uh, story of what Jesus told him on that day that he was transformed. Now we know that there's at least three times that this account was uh, provided for us in the book of Acts that Luke had written and written three times of these accounts. So it really kind of tells us that this was a significant part, an a significant point for us as the church and what took place then. And so Acts 26, verse 16 to 18, it says, Now get, you, get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. Now, Jesus is speaking to Saul, now Paul, and he's telling him, basically, you put your neck on the line. You just went out and been persecuting over all the Christians, and you were supposed to imprison them, bring them back, and, bring them, and now everybody's going to be mad at you. But look at what he says in verse 17. And I will rescue you from both your own people... 
and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So God basically told Paul, if you take care of my business, I'm going to take care of yours. Paul was commissioned by Jesus to tell others that he saw him because he saw the resurrected Christ. Jesus also lets Paul know that he has more to reveal to him and that he's supposed to tell people that as well. Jesus never commanded us to keep our Christianity to ourselves. It's not a private religion. This passage in Acts chapter 26 resembles how God spoke to the prophets Ezekiel and to Jeremiah as he says, Stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. See, Paul's mission was a prophetic mission. It was one that continued the commission that was originally give, given to Jesus, the Son, by God the Father. And the Christians and Christians today, as God's servants and prophets, are called to the same kind of ministry. So you and I, we are all called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're all called to be witnesses of Christ in the workplace where we live, to our neighbor, because we have something that's been given to us. Freely we've received and freely we can give to others. If people ask why we go on mission trips or tell others about our faith, it's because the very nature of the command that Jesus gave to Paul and to us. Ali Grady is a former magazine editor and he said a Christian magazine editor and he said this this past week I traveled with 18 Americans to a, a part of rural Guatemala that I've visited uh, seven times in 11 years. Our multi-generational team from Florida included a college professor, a lawyer, a salesman, a private school teacher, uh, several teenagers, and a 31-year-old veteran of the Iraqi and Afghanistan wars. Only one of our team members could speak Spanish fluently. Uh-oh. And a few had never been out of the United States before. He says the climate was hot, the food was strange, and communication was a challenge. I'm sure that's under, an understatement. But the inconveniences didn't dampen anyone's spirits. The people on our team dug a foundation for a church building. They prayed for people at the conclusion of services, and they played soccer with the local youth. They hugged lots of kids. They performed dramas and visited local families in their homes, and then they made lifelong friends. Every believer should take the opportunity to serve in some way, whatever way God gives us an opportunity to serve. And we realize that Paul was given a life mission. And that mission was given to him by Jesus himself, and it was given so that he would accomplish it, not just to lay it off to the side. That mission was also passed on to us as followers of Christ. Yet to attempt the mission without the pre prerequisite or the right spiritual condition, it would lead us to disaster. 
for Paul and for us. The prerequisite for the call is a resurrected life. Earlier we sang this song, Resurrection. We've been raised. We died together with Christ. We've been raised to new life. And now we have a purpose. We have a, we have a purpose, a calling, each and every one of us. Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 to 17 says this. Do you know what it was like when I followed the Jewish religion? How I violently persecuted God's church. This is, this is Paul speaking. He said, I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. That is so cool. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to, uh, to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. We recognize that Paul still met uh, with, the other, with some of the other disciples at one point, but at this point, he was going out because God said, I have something for you to tell people. One, you've met me, and I have some other things to reveal to you. And so Paul had experienced a life transformation. He had moved from being a hater to one who cared. He cared because Christ cared for him. Maybe you've moved from being a hater to a person who cares. Or maybe you haven't quite moved to that place yet. But you need a resurrection in your life. And God is available to help make that happen in your life. So we see here that he's on the way to Damascus and Jesus found him and all the hate that he had had been melted. Paul was dead, but now he was alive again. His, his uh, life was resurrected. It wasn't just some ceremony that he went through. It was a heart change. Just like we did baptism this morning. What a great time. Sure, it is a ceremony, but it, it is showing what has happened inside of a heart, right? When we accept Christ as Savior, something is transformed in us. It starts there, and when we show others, hey, I'm going to move on with Christ. Paul knew ceremony well, but all of those formalities for him were only an outward sign. The end result of Paul's life change was that he was to proclaim the good news to everyone. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 9. It says this, Paul there said, Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. You hear, this, you hear his words here? I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the religious law. That's why he was doing what he had been doing. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. 
And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. See, Paul recognized that even though he had done lots of good things in his life, that it was all worthless because he wasn't perfect. He could only be made perfect through Christ, not through works. And it's the same that holds for us today. You can do all the good deeds you want in this world to help others, and that's good. That's wonderful. We should be involved. You can volunteer to clean up people's gutters or mow their lawns or even go on a mission trips, but these acts of generosity won't give you the perfection that you need to stand before a holy God. You may take food to shut-ins. You may take care of orphans, but without Christ... Our lives have not been resurrected. Only Christ can make you perfect through your faith in his perfect sacrifice. It's through faith in Christ that you're raised. It's through the resurrected life that only then can we answer God's call to serve him in that commission. If our worship team would come this morning. I'd like for you just to think about a few things. As if you're going to enter into the role of God's story, then you first must experience a resurrected life. For Saul, resurrected life, the resurrected life started when he came to the end of his pride. He thought he knew better, didn't he? He thought he understood quite well, but he didn't. He found out when he met Christ he thought he could see, but really he was, he was spiritually blinded by the traditions of his family and of his pride. It may be, too, that you have been short-sighted by your own traditions. It could be that you only want to listen to part of the good news. And, and we have a lot of that in the world today that we live in. People say, well, I want, I want this part of the Bible, but I don't want to listen to that part. They, they don't necessarily want to hear all of what the Scripture has to say to them. It may be that your desires and what your friends and family have said have kept you from allowing the Word of God from guiding your life. Today is the day for us to listen to Jesus. Don't put your confidence in short-sighted tradition. Let Christ, let Him transfer your life. Let him transform form your heart. Has your life been resurrected? Have you come to a place where Jesus more, means more than just uh, going to a Sunday service now and then or even every Sunday? Let your life be raised from death to life. You can become part of God's story.